Welcome to a very special miniature Dragon Babies. Miniature. (laughs) So we have been really excited about the release of the Wrinkle in Time adaptation. Been excited about it since Grace first told me about a like POC Mm -hmm. run and populated director. Um, Wrinkle in Time film. Yeah. It's like a year, more than a year ago. Well, the buzz has been real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for a few different reasons. One, it's a big budget adaptation of a beloved fantasy sci-fi classic. Um, And one that is kind of famously unadaptable. Because it's so cerebral. Um, People have attempted Meaning it happens in the head. (laughs) Literally in the mind. Um, Many different directors have attempted to bring it to life and no projects have really gotten off the ground. It's actually been a really, really long time coming that a big budget Wrinkle in Time adaptation has been, you know, in the works. Mm -hmm. Um, And we went and saw the movie this weekend along with our brother who is becoming our um, movie buddy. And we watched it. And here we are with our so if you haven't seen the movie yet, I will say spoilies ahead, spoilers ahead, um, spoilies. because the plot is, it's very close to the mm-hmm. books, um, but we are going to discuss the different choices that Ava DuVernay made. Um, and if you want to see the movie, I'd probably recommend doing that before you listen. And I would also recommend seeing the movie. Yeah, uh, um, we'll just say up front, go see it. I think it's it. definitely worth seeing. If you're a fan of Madeline Langle, I think there's something to enjoy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, you know, leads me into the first point I think we should make. We're not the target audience for this movie. This movie um, is for children. It's for children. It's very uh, explicitly for children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized that during, um, well, I realized that pretty early on, but yeah. it was a scene when... Calvin, Meg, and Charles Wallace are flying through the air above Mrs. Whatsit after she transforms into a lettuce creature. <laughs> um, lettuce dinosaur. And it's just so full on um, swelling music and kids just being like, yay, yay. I'm flying <laughs> and beautiful colors. Um, and the choices that are being made are really just for the fun of it Mm -hmm, um there isn't anything larger that's being said in that moment which is fine Um, but i think the book does a very different it takes a very different approach it really is appropriate for readers of all ages and i think this movie can be enjoyed by adults for sure but we're not going to be glad i saw it we're not going to treat it like a movie for adults because that's just not what it is yeah um so just a little yeah disclaimer up front there mm-hmm. um because this movie hasn't been getting great reviews no um although i was after we saw it i was finally looking at some of the reviews um and some people hated it mm-hmm. and uh, some people kind of said what we've just said like it's worth seeing if Uh, it's definitely for kids but there's good things about it and then I also saw a few just like totally glowing reviews which was interesting yeah the reviews really seemed across the spectrum but because of Rotten Tomatoes algorithm Mm -hmm. um, what you're gonna get if you go on there is pretty harsh what looks like a bad yeah rating 
Um, and uh, we might pull him in here later to give a few thoughts, but our brother really didn't like it. He hated it. He's yeah. never read the book. He's never read any of Madeline Lingle's books. So I think that's pretty telling um, yeah. as to what you're going to get out of this mm-hmm. if you're new to Madeline Lingle's world and to the Murrays. Yeah. Um, and I do think a lot of the more complex points are lost in this adaptation. Yeah. Um, like the, if it's already in your head, when you see it, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, oh, that's what that, that informs is. what you're seeing. Right. But if it's not, then you're not, you're going to miss. Yeah. You're just not going to have the same nuanced takeaway, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and part of the problem there is that this movie is a straightforward fantasy, I would say. Um, the book is sci-fi. sci-fi. Uh, and I think the, the team that made this film because they wanted to make it palatable for children, worried about how much science to include. There was like um, no science. It's really glossed over. Yeah. And there isn't even an explanation. I was stunned in the opening scene when um, Mr. Murray, played by Chris Pine, says to Meg, played by Storm Reed, uh, okay, I'm sprinkle sand onto this plate. And now look what happens yeah. as he passes different frequencies through the plate. Mm-hmm. But there's no explanation of what he's actually doing. It's yeah. literally just, wow, the sand makes cool patterns. Yeah. Um, there are moments when Meg mutters to herself about velocity before she figures out a kind of impossible maneuver for her and Calvin to do to escape a storm. Um, but none of it is at the forefront. It's all very much kind of tucked away and uh for a movie about scientists and their children there's remarkably little i actually found myself thinking that in your run-of-the-mill any show just forensic um crime drama yeah show there is they just always do such a better job of putting and you know it might be a little bunk but or a lot bunk but (laughs) There was room in this movie to have some cool, actual scientific, I don't know, just something Discourse to put in there. of some kind. Right. Or, you they know. They didn't even include the illustration yeah, of the tessering. The ant, the I, ant crossing I really, the I missed string. the ant. Yeah. I thought that that would have been really effective, actually. I'm a little confused. I think that must have been in the movie at some point because I've seen images of storm reed holding the string well or it could have been cut or right. it was That's something okay yeah. something they filmed and we're just like we'll put that in the trailers or use right it for maybe publicity it was just promotional and, yeah um i was stunned by that because that yeah. is a really excellent illustration that works on a child's level to me that was always the most effective mm-hmm. way and they they of have explaining tessering yeah explaining essentially like space and time travel and they have a very glossy way of showing it where it's like playing on a screen behind the mm-hmm. Murrays um, because both Chris Pine and Gugu Mbata-Ra, who plays Mrs. Murray. Yes, um, are doing their presentation for like, I don't know, kind of looked like they were at the UN or something. Yeah, that <laughs> um, conference is really funny. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> international academics immediately begin laughing and scoffing and it's also <laughs> really funny I don't think any human group of academics ever would and it, it was almost like an it's a small world type portrayal of different 
countries and cultures and everything because people were so stuck uh, images of like, this is what person from this country looks Mm -hmm. like. And then they all started laughing. So at least their their mockery of the Murrays united them. Exactly. (laughs) And I did love the little um, moments we'd hear on the radio or the TV in the background of a scene that's like, uh, Alex Murray disappeared after saying that you could travel through wrinkles in time. And everyone's just like, oh my God, what a crackpot. Um, And I mean, in the book, uh, being, you know, being mocked, being um, thought to be crazy or not connected to reality is a theme and it is a problem that the Murrays have. I mean, that's, that's also kind of the basis of a lot of bullying that Meg and Charles Wallace receive for being too intellectual um, and too... Well, in the book. You're right, that's about, what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Um, so there is a through line there, but it was just a lot more ham-fisted in the film. There was um, a lot of, yeah. But things. again, it's a children's movie. Yeah. So the, uh, the flip side of that is, and this is something we've talked about a lot throughout our podcast, is that children deserve excellent entertainment and media just as much as adults do. And it's also, it makes me think about the best way to learn a language is to, you know, yeah, be learning basics, but Mm -hmm. then also put in time working at a level that's really far beyond yeah, yours. Yeah, more advanced concepts. Because Just by surrounding then, yourself with them, yes. you're going to um, absorb some of them. And start to figure things out. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, if you're just listening to people chatter in the language you don't yeah. speak yet. That's why immersion programs work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that kids deserve that in their media. Um, it's okay to expose them to higher concepts in a way that they're not going to totally get. That's totally fine because it's going to be in there. And the thing is, there were good messages, but they were very obvious messages. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard for me to, obviously, I'm no longer a child. I do think I'm probably more in touch with my child self than a lot of people. And I think you are, too. Exhibit A, this podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We've got, um, you know, over 30 hours (laughs) of proof already up dragbabiespodcast.com or this very feed that you're listening to Uh, yeah and I think I would have felt a little um, patronized by this movie Um, in fact I actually found myself thinking that if I had seen that as a preteen or teen I would have been angry and a little embarrassed Embarrassed. to be watching it because it was that kind of thing where Mm -hmm. at that age once I was once I had moved from just being a child and open to everything to being like oh like this is dumb like this isn't cool like what do they think we're babies then I would have just like not been able to connect with this movie yeah it's you know I don't want all of this to sound like we feel negatively about it. Um, because, because like I say, overall, would recommend, mm-hmm. was glad I saw it. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, it's not a cool movie, but it is an earnest movie. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for that. I think we live in a time where there aren't just a lot of genuine depictions of good. Yeah. Um, and that, this movie is really suffused with that uh, approach Mm -hmm. I think um and 
what makes this movie important regardless of important and interesting regardless of um it being a movie specifically for children or adults is that it's a view of a classic sci-fi fantasy world through the lens of a black woman Mm -hmm. um and it was really exciting to see so many different black and brown faces yeah on a huge female faces budget disney project screen yeah this Um, this movie blew the bechdel test way out of the park (laughs) there's a lot of discussion of meg's personal growth um and this movie built, I would say, built out the characters of the misses a little bit more than the book does. Um, and it kind of, it took a lot of um, liberties. It There was yeah. a definitely a creative vision to the mm-hmm. misses that wasn't totally sourced from the books, which is cool. The reason I say right away that it passed the Bechdel test with Flying Colors is I was just thinking how cool it was to see strong women role models uh, encouraging a young girl yeah. in her own quest to become herself and become a strong woman herself. Like literally Oprah Winfrey talking to Meg and being like, you can find the strength in yourself. basically being God. Yeah. Like she, she played God. Larger than life. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's what I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I think that all young people can benefit from this kind of naked self love that is really, um, proselytized throughout this book and I just know as this movie I'm sorry as a young girl if I could have like if I could have gotten through all the layers of self-hate that I very Mm -hmm. carefully nurtured due to my social interactions like until I was in my 20s I would have been a lot happier and healthier instead of having to like cut through all of that that had developed and just be able to love myself. Yeah. And the movie specifically shows instances of young people dealing with eating disorder, Mm -hmm. dealing with an emotionally abusive parent. um, And uh, how, if you can become comfortable with who you are, it's much, much easier to work through some of these really insurmountable feeling obstacles. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really funny seeing Hot Meg. <laughs> yes, it was really funny. <laughs> because Storm Reed is a beautiful child. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those castings where it's like, okay, they're supposed to be kind of awkward. Yeah. And she's just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, when Hot Meg comes out and strolls around and uh, Charles Wallace is, you know, offering hot Meg up as the her version identity. that Meg could yeah. become if she only gives in to the evil. And that she pushes her off of a yeah, neuron. Off of a brain. <laughs> off a piece of brain structure. It's interesting that they went inside the it. I was um, wondering how they were going to do the it. I know. I, I was like, they can't just have a little like, brain yeah, pulsing it's, on it's a table. It's not, not read well. Good. Yeah. It's really not going to look good. Um, yeah, I mean, the artistic choices in Camazots were actually probably some of my favorites. Um, and I uh, was the most intrigued by what was happening there in terms of what Ava DuVernay decided to do. Um, I thought the beach scene, we were talking yeah, about that earlier. the beach scene was great. Yeah. Um, it really got across that feeling of fear and being lost in a crowd 
um, eating food that tastes like sand. I thought, okay, <laughs> yeah, I that's I kept thinking that as uh, they kept no. being like, it doesn't taste good. It tastes like sand. Like something's wrong. Meanwhile, Calvin is just like, oh, Calvin's on like stuffing his face, and it literally it turns to sand in his hand. And I just kept looking at it, and be like, his belly's full of sand. <laughs> Someone help care. him. Calvin's full. <laughs> oh my god, that's so sad. <laughs> I know, that but it also—I mean—he's like what? He's supposed to be like a fourteen-year-old boy, and mm-hmm. like he's just like he's this hungry, gangly little kid. So of course yeah. he's starving. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the decisions made with different characterizations mm-hmm. and just the way different characters were cast. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Madeline Langle's books, especially the books about the Murrays, they're super character driven and it's the same core group that mm-hmm. you're with throughout, throughout the books. all of the books, yeah. um, except for the Sandy and Dennis uh, one off who don't exist in <laughs> this movie. In the movie. <laughs> there is no Sandy and From Dennis. From the first scene yeah. when um, the Murrays were talking to Meg about her adopted brother. That's another weird thing. Charles Walls is adopted, which we'll get to. <laughs> Grace, Grace leaned over and hissed, where's Sandy and Dennis? They don't exist. <laughs> furious like they're such a good foil to the other murrays because they're the normals within the family um but to to a certain extent yeah they're also pretty wacky in their own way but they just hide it better from the outside world um but i think sandy and dennis are really important in that way because they also show that you don't have to be a genius to exist within this family and be happy and be loved and like deserve that love Um, and, uh, yeah, I missed Sandy and Dennis. Um, they did get their dog, right? They had Fortune Bra and look, Fortune Bra looked correct, but Sandy and Dennis just weren't there. So that that was irritating. Um, talking about the other Murrays, uh, I, I thought Meg was good. I think it's hard when you have new child actors as the you know, three of the characters that spend the most time on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, we discussed this, but we weren't big fans of Charles Wallace. He took a really smug, kind of smarmy approach to the character. And he was so young but that he was... He was really was, young. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like maybe he was just directed that way. Because, exactly. You know, I like, don't know how much of this is the child-making Right, that, that kid is so young. And like a lot younger than you usually ever see some like someone with so much screen time yeah. in a major motion picture. And Charles Wallace is probably the character that's the most difficult to portray without making him into just a little monster. I mean, I don't even really like him in the book. When, so, <laughs> when we read Wind in the Door, Madeline really didn't like Charles no, Yeah, And yeah, he's pretty annoying. Yes, he is, yeah. for sure. But that's part of who he is. And you know... He is one of those children who is like basically a savant. So he's not going to be able to relate to people and talk to them in the way that makes people comfortable. So people aren't going to like him. Right. And like, you know, you can get annoyed by people your own age that you feel like are trying to act smarter than you. So a a little (laughs) child who really is smarter than you and is always reminding you of it. Probably but, you would know, get pretty difficult. It's not a super popular standpoint to take, like to hate on a child. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah, I'm trying to explain myself here. <laughs> we won't go too far into this. Um, but yeah, that was tough. And Charles Wallace's dialogue was 
rough yeah. often. I think especially because he had some passages that are straight from Wrinkle in Time and others that were written for this script. And Madeline Langle is a much better writer than the person who wrote the script. Um, it was extremely jarring when yeah, they would flip-flop from book to this script with like weird contemporary kind of references in it. Yeah. Like it was just like... The only hard. the only moments where I felt that worked were when Mrs. Who would have quotes that were from like an Outcast song or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was still a little bit off because Mrs. Who really just quotes from classics right. for the most part in yeah. the book. Um, but I appreciate that. Again, I think Ava DuVernay was really consistent with mm-hmm. the choices that she made. Yeah. Um, it felt cohesive. Yeah. And that's really important, especially when you're going so far in a very strong stylistic direction mm-hmm. with everything that you're doing. You have to make it the same way. Yeah. Um, or else we'd have these moments where like the misses have on this outrageous makeup and costumes like all the other colors have to be heightened to yeah. match them, you mm-hmm. know, and then the darkness has to be heightened to match the intensity of those colors. And it was visually just like, bam, bam. bam yeah, no, like, it was very punched in the face. Intense. Of the Murrays. Yeah. Mr. And Mrs. Murray. I, I liked, I thought they were good. Um, Gugu and Batara and Chris Pine both did a good job. Yeah, I thought they were good. Um, they were, they're not on screen that much. No. So there's not a lot to say there. Um, I honestly think that other than the missus we'll talk about in just a second, kind of the star of the movie was um, Calvin. Calvin is played by an actor named Levi Miller. Um, and I thought the casting was like perfect. I was really impressed by his performance. I thought he was so good as Calvin. Yeah, I think he really understood the character. And I, that's and like, from the first moment you see him in the background of a scene you're like, on the oh, playground at the beginning, I'm like, oh, there's Calvin. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. He conveys his fascination with the Murrays in a way that feels endearing and not creepy because I think it can be, you know, with Calvin, once you understand him, it makes so much sense. He comes from an abusive family yeah. mm-hmm. um, that doesn't have enough love or money um, or just attention to go around Mm -hmm. and he feels very alone um, and unappreciated and then in the Murray household it's all love and affection and appreciation and validation and they appreciate what is good about each child without each person right without trying to to hold them to any standards exactly right I think the Murrays are really model parents Mm -hmm. um sounds like you said muddle but I know you said model they are model (laughs) they're really muddle parents (laughs) the Murrays are model parents yeah they do a really good job with that uh, making their kids feel important and to be fair I'm pretty sure that Levi Miller was the older than the yeah uh, than Storm Reed yes I think so yeah Um, so I think he was the oldest child actor so he you know probably had the best chops, so to speak. Totally. And that um, just makes sense. But we were, impre- yeah. We I were like, even the way he looked was just perfect. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, then the misses were played by, okay, so respectively, Mrs. What's It, Reese Witherspoon, Mrs. Who, Mindy Kaling, and Mrs. Witch, Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I, I thought, and we've talked, you know, we talked about this, um, the the misses are definitely the biggest departure from the characters in the books. Um, they're really flamboyant. Uh, 
and they're definitely used as these kind of like sp- sprites mm-hmm. um, in a way that I, I don't think they are in Madeline Langle's books. Yeah. Um, and just some, you know, like really appealing, uh, grounded, but joyful and magical forces that I think, you know, children are supposed to feel very comforted by. And they made and them to. a lot more human than I felt yeah. they were in the books. And they're just more interested in human things. Yeah. Um, this is the paradox that I was talking about when we were walking out from the movie that they wear it, an incredible amount of makeup. Um and it's not just uh, like colorful fantasy effect type makeup. It they have full faces mm-hmm. on, you know, foundation, yeah. highlights yeah, plus it was, it was all the colors. It was kind of like half drag. Yeah, it was very intense. Um, but the problem is they're not human. So why are they like playing with human ways to make yourself more, you know, make yourself stand out, mm-hmm. make yourself look remarkable um when they have all these other transformative options yeah and i also felt i was telling grace not even tangible fingertips yeah that i felt like some of the makeup choices were made in order to make them look more ethereal but that just came across as like kind of weird yeah I liked that they had different outfits on every time we saw no it was because because it was fun it was really beautiful and like i i get why yeah i get why that was done Mrs. Who is, I knew was going to be a really difficult character to um, perform because she speaks in sayings, in quotes, and that is going to like almost definitely come off as just really annoying and condescending and like repetitive. Um, But instead of taking the character as someone serious or studious, um, she just kind of infused it with warmth and winks and hand, little handshakes, um, and she did an incredible job. I was I loved super, her. super impressed by what she did with that character. I just, and I, I wanted was, more Mrs. Who, yeah. which is not a feeling I've ever had reading the books. And it was a really smart choice for her acting style because Mindy Kaling is so good at conveying this like benevolent, like. I know a really fun secret and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to tell you and it's going to be great. Or And yeah. also at the same time, just, just really fun, warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being that sort of friend that you want to have. Yeah, she just kind of beams warmth out and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed her performance and I also really enjoyed her outfits. I thought they were really fun. Yeah, her, her hair and outfits I did really yeah. enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I yeah. thought they were also some of the most whimsical mm-hmm. of any of the ones and they... Uh, took a lot of kind of classic things from different cultures and yeah. then just went very crazy with it. Yeah. I mean, the costume design was great. Mm-hmm. I, I did really like the Mrs. looks. Yeah. And because I enjoyed that, I cared a lot less about, okay, this is not what should be going on here with these characters yeah. in my mind. But that's the thing. This book, I really think, can be taken in so many different directions. Yeah. And I I really enjoyed seeing Ava DuVernay's direction mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. And also just thinking as I was watching it, like, have I ever seen a fantasy, you know, a visual fantasy landscape, not something I've read, um, that was created by a black woman? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I may not have. Um, and so to see what 
Kimzatz is like and what and what Uriel is like, the first beautiful planet that they go to to mm-hmm. kind of get their bearings and learn more about yeah. what's going on. Um, going to see the planet where the happy medium lives, um, who is a man and not a woman in this, which is, yeah, different than the book also, but whatever. The the happy medium was definitely that there are a lot of creative choices made there. <laughs> Which I don't even know. I'm still just like, oh, that was kind of like weird, but I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. have to admit I lost some interest in the movie during that part. And I honestly was thinking about work. So I, <laughs> I can't even comment completely on what happened during that scene un- until they went to show, until Mrs. Um, Witch showed what the darkness was doing. Yeah. Um, I also, I was just kind of like. Up to that point, I was like, this is taking a really long time and Madeline you brought up the great point that they like kind of body shame Zach Galifianakis which is really odd for a movie that's, that's all about loving has a yourself. really strong message about self-love because and acceptance. they had uh, um uh, Reese Witherspoon's character Mrs. What's It mm-hmm. say like oh this medium's super cute like I really like him and then I felt like it was played for laughs when, when it was Zach Galifianakis and they shot him from the side so they yeah. made him look larger and it it just felt really weird that they were kind of being like, look, she thinks he's cute. Yeah. And that was also kind of lost on me because I, I do find Zach Galifianakis attractive. <laughs> so Grace was just like, I was just like, yeah, like, great. <laughs> There's my guy. Yeah. Just because he's not like the archetypical, you know, like Hollywood hottie doesn't mean that he can't be attractive. And it's, yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe Maybe we're reading the wrong way into it, but But that's just what it felt like to me. Yeah. Um, And the, you know, I think that's, that's all the the major characters really, but I do need to give a special shout out to the flash on, (laughs) I know you're going to read this on beast um, who, you know, fans of the book will remember as, okay. So this whole part of the plot is cut out in the movie. Probably just because there wasn't enough time, which I get. But after, um, when they're in Kamzatz and Meg finds her father um, in the book, she and her father do tesser away from Kamzatz and leave Charles Wallace there. Mm -hmm. In the movie, her father tessers away and Meg stays. Um, But in the book, they go to a planet that is populated by these furry creatures with tentacles. And one of them named aunt beast nurses Meg back to health because she's been very damaged by trying to test her kind of being forced forcibly tested through the darkness. And um, one of the really cool things that they bring to the book is that they don't have the sense of sight and right. it's not like they're missing it to and them. They, and it's they don't not speak. Oh, right. Yeah, they communicate yeah. mentally. And, yeah. and that, I think, is hugely important because it's when Meg first starts learning how to look within herself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was bummed that <laughs> that wasn't in the movie. But there is a flash of them, yeah. yeah but there is a flash of those creatures. Um, Grace also got really excited and leaned over. Yeah, I like, <gasps> grabbed Madeline. <laughs> um, just as they're flying over... It was when they were showing uh, Mr. Murray's journey when oh, he right. was I'm tessering. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, I also, if you've listened to our Wind in the Door episode, if you haven't, go check it out. But I uh, I mentioned, mentioned something in that episode that I'll mention here too. Uh, for a school project in sixth grade, I created Aunt Beast. Um, Madeline played, played by me. Played Aunt Beast, <laughs> which was... Um, 
costume consisted of a brown felt blanket wrapped around her with uh, construction paper tentacles taped on. <laughs> And I just kind of went in a chair in our backyard. Porch chairs that you dragged all the way to the backyard. I pulled out a metal chair because I thought I could kind of drape the blanket over it and make it look like you were hovering. It was an attempt at an effect. Um, Sadly, I chose to do this project like third week at a new school. And it really cemented my status there. (laughs) I was in sixth grade. So... Yeah, if you're the new kid, go hard. <laughs> Be as weird as possible. And, you know, the great thing is the nice kids in my grade were made immediately clear. And I became friends with them. Yeah, so, so it was all good. Yeah, Sixth grade was a formative time. It's also the first year I read Tamara Pierce. So. Oh, yeah. um, okay, so I feel like we have kind of discussed everything we had to say about this movie. Oh, I did want to give a shout out to Michael Pena too, who plays mm-hmm. um, like the man with red eyes. Yeah, yeah. At, on the beach scene. Yeah, the crony on camisades. He mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Um, really scary. Like he was the only character that frightened me. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, he was scary. And uh, except for maybe the like freaky mom who talks to them. Oh, she yeah. Was she was off putting. There was less of that. Uh, the weird rhythmic subdivision in the movie than in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but that scene was really affecting, too. Um, yeah, the, it definitely made me uncomfortable. Yeah, they they did a great job. Uh, seriously. I mean, Camazots, with the exception of the it at the end, which like got pretty messy. Let's be real. Um, was uh, really well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. I was super into that. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys think about the movie. For sure. I, you know, re-watching it was, or re-watching, <laughs> seeing a new adaptation of Wrinkle in Time, I should say, because I also have a graphic novel adaptation of it that came out a few years ago. It was adapted by Hope Larson, um, and it's excellent, like, so good she does an incredible job and she is really faithful to the book um i i think all of the dialogue is pulled directly from the book um yeah a truly faithful adaptation that is really beautiful and really interesting um so seeing this it wasn't my first time you know experiencing a wrinkle in time adaptation but i was i really i did enjoy it and now i just want like every director more to everyone do it a wrinkle and dime adaptation i love seeing different people's takes on this story um oh so we forgot to mention is we were truly baffled by mr jenkins <laughs> uh yeah if you've listened to our wind in the door episode we have a lot of feelings about mr jenkins that's the book where he is a main character yeah um in all of the the books about the murrays um And in this movie, he is played by a hot dude. (laughs) He's young. He's confident. Um, The actor. He just did not have any. The actor is Andre Holland. He's in Moonlight, if any of you have seen that. If you haven't, highly recommend it. It was a good thing they had that weird unnecessary like flash to his nameplate while he's talking because otherwise, otherwise I it, never would have realized exactly. it, was it was the opposite of Mr. Calvin Jenkins. showing up for the first time just like oh the guidance counselor yeah like, like, who is a this? teacher or something <laughs> and then it was like that's Mr. That's Jenkins? Mr. Jenkins all right 
Um, but I also, I'm really curious. I haven't like done any research on this and I highly doubt that it's the case, but they're going to do more. If they're going to adapt any of the other books, which I mean, God, if wrinkling time is unadaptable, wind in the door is fully impossible. Uh, yeah. Check out our episode. We talk more about what we and think an adaptation like might look like. I also like to think about like the ways in which many waters would be perceived. Like that would be truly insane. People many would, waters be would be baffled. But they'd also have to create Sandy and Dennis at that point because they're not. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, sense. it's not going to happen. Oh, and we also forgot. Okay. Th- I think this is like telling on how the movie is kind of a mess because I'm just remembering threads of yeah. it. But the fact that Charles Wallace was adopted I truly don't understand that uh, choice I didn't understand I don't think it impacted the story it let them have one line of dialogue later saying he's like you're not my dad when he's being evil yeah but he there's so many other things that you can say to a parent that will make them upset that Mm -hmm. you don't need to I mean maybe it was just a diversity thing maybe they were trying to but it felt more like it was just in service to that one unnecessary line it was weird especially because Charles Wallace doesn't have any fears of not belonging to the family or not truly being a Murray like he's more confidently a Murray than any of you yeah exactly um yeah so it's just I don't get that choice if any of you um yeah if any of you do understand that please let us know your thoughts you can get in touch with us we want to hear from you dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com or submit a form on our website dragonbabiespodcast.com we're on twitter at dragonbabiespod and instagram at dragonbabiespodcast and that's all. Thank you for joining us on this pretty long miniature yeah, episode. We called it a mini episode, <laughs> but this is almost going to be the normal yeah. episode. So if you've made it this far, we commend you. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Bye.